0: following podcast contains spoilers and words like and Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, this is We Watched a Thing. I'm Topher, he's Billy. How are you? I'm so good, I'm so good. How are you, my friend? I'm alright. I'm alright. Yeah, we're staying indoors, we're washing our hands, we're doing all that stuff. Saving lives by sitting on the couch. That's the thing I don't understand about the people who are, you know, flouting social distancing. When else in the history of the world, I mean, I guess apart from other plagues, have you been able to save the world by sitting on the couch? Honestly. Well, I suppose that were how how prevalent were couches in previous Oh, that's true. I guess you could save the world by sitting on the hay bale. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. We are in such a privileged time with the internet. We can stream all the content we want. You and I can still do our show talking on the line. Like, we're in a pretty amazing time to be alive where we have to stay indoors. (laughs) I was having this conversation with someone at work a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about people who, like, romanticise, for for argument's sake, the time that Emma – is set in. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, that really ignores the fact that everyone would have stunk. Yes. And you'd have yes. been cold. <laughs> I don't think it would have been as nice as these people are imagining. No, nah, even like, I mean, I mean, we'll get into the movie proper, but even, uh, I watched this with my wife, and when it got to the scene where they're at, you know, like a dinner party, and two people just are singing a song, and everyone is sitting down, it was like, can you imagine going to a party today where people just- sing at the piano and you just all stand around and watch them. I mean, we did it a bit growing up, but it wasn't the piano. It was the stereo and we were very drunk. Yeah. Like that is it just it seems an odd concept these days that you would just sit around and watch your friends sing at a party and that that would be the entertainment. <laughs> yeah, I think it's quite awkward. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Shall we get into Emma, though, which is what we watched this week? I'd love to. All right. Emma is a 2020 British comedy drama film directed by Autumn Wilde from a screenplay by Eleanor Caton and is based on 1995's Clueless. <laughs> based on, of course, Jane Austen's novel of the same name of, ni- of 1815. It follows Emma Woodhouse, a young woman who interferes in the love lives of her friends, and it stars Anya Taylor-Joy, Johnny Flynn, Josh O'Connor, Callum Turner, Mia Goth, Miranda Hart and Bill Nighy. What's it about, Toph? Yeah, well, it's a sort of coming-of-age comedy about a bunch of, as far as I can tell, unemployed English people. You know in soap operas where it's like, do any of these people have jobs? Yeah. What, what yeah. does anyone in Emma do? Well, we know that uh, Mr. Martin, he works on the farm. There's a farmer? Yep, there's a farmer. The skateboarder from Clueless, he's a farmer. <laughs> yes. How long, yes. okay, when did it stop or did it stop? No, it you never were, stopped. That you were like, okay, this is this person from Clueless. This yeah. is the beats I'm hitting from Clueless. So here's the. So you, I know that you watched Clueless very recently because we spoke about it on the show. So Clueless was very fresh in your mind. So I'm guessing that it never stopped for you, actually. And I would say to the film's credit, yes, it did. Oh, really? Really? There came a point where I was like, and I have, I have not read Emma, and I have never seen a screen adaptation of Emma. No, me neither. This, this was my introduction to straight Emma, if you like. And it probably took half an hour, I guess, until I was, until I realised at some point that I was just watching Emma. I wasn't watching old-timey Clueless. So, here's the thing for me. I'm not sure that ever stopped. And I didn't watch Clueless recently. I watched it after Emma because my wife and I were like, oh, which one should we watch first? Because, you know, we already decided we were going to watch both. And she, she'd she already seen Emma. And so, she said, let's watch Emma first. That way, Clueless won't cloud you. And when we get to Clueless, you'll, you'll be able to think more about how that is as an adaptation, which is a smart way to think about it. Problem is, that never really happened for me because even though I haven't seen Clueless in, I guess, at least 15 years- It is so fresh in my mind from watching it a million and ten times, you know, in the late 90s. You haven't seen Clueless in 15 years? I I reckon I haven't. I mean, I might have, but I think there are probably entire scenes of that movie that I could quote word for word without missing a beat because it is so fresh in my mind that it never stopped. And I have to be honest- I, I really liked Emma. Let's, I'll just go out there and say that. I really, really liked this movie. I think it's really good. But there's a little part of me that's like, I don't know if I would think it is as good if I did not have Clueless to reference. Because, you know, I don't like period pieces very often. And so, recently, my wife and I watched um, Pride and Prejudice, which is one of her favourites. Again, same as Emma, I'd never seen a version of it at which all. Which version did you watch? We watched 2005's with Keira Knightley. Which she thinks is the best one. She likes the Colin Firth one as well, but she thinks that the score and cinematography and everything in the 2005 one is better. Which it, it's really nice if you haven't seen it. So, I liked it, but I didn't love it. And here's the thing with period pieces. This is going to make me sound like a bit of a simpleton, okay? There is something about period pieces that I find really hard to follow. And I think what it boils down to is they don't use characters' first names. So, it takes me a good half hour to understand who they're talking about when they're like, oh, yes, Mrs. Weston and Mr. Woodhouse. And I'm like, who the fuck are they talking about? I don't know why, but something in me just can't keep up with that. <laughs> but with Emma, luckily enough, yeah, I-, I did the same thing as you did. I was like, oh, okay, he's, he's the stoner. Yep. <laughs> okay. And-, and this is Josh. And I just called nightly Josh for the entire movie, and that helped me. <laughs> and they use each other's names a lot. Yes, they do. They do. And it's the same in Pride and Prejudice. There's a lot of, you know, Mrs. Bennett, Mr. Darcy. Mister, They say Mr. Darcy about 50,000 times yeah. in that film. It's like Leo saying Rose in Titanic. <laughs> yes. And you're right. It is the same here. And it's weird that Emma is the only one who seemingly has a first name, <laughs> which is then confusing when they call her Miss Woodhouse. But <laughs> the film does a- I, I think it's a quite clever little thing where it starts off with this- Really slow-paced sequence of her going and looking at flowers, and it's it's very kind of in its pacing that very kind of stately period piece kind of thing. I, and I was thinking, oh right, so this is what I'm in for. This is what this is going to be. And then they just flick a switch at one point, and it's I think it's particularly the editing of the film where it flicks to this is being edited like. A comedy, because in case you didn't know, and I didn't know, you are watching a comedy. Oh, see, I did know that at least. I knew enough about Emma. Again, I guess just because of Clueless. (laughs) I I did know that it was a comedy. And I must say, I do much prefer this story to Pride and Prejudice. I think similar to that, it's a movie. The story, just about nothing is really of consequence at the end of the day. There's no big dramatic stuff going on here. And that's really kind of quite nice at times. It's good. Like, it's genuinely good. Not just the script, which, okay, they've got a pretty, you know, <laughs> they're dealing with Jane Austen. I suppose you'd want to hope the script was in decent shape. But the actual kind of physical comedy direction of the film is really good. Like, the the little kind of mini comedic set pieces, like people- sitting down together and oh no we're not quite sitting down yet and we're sitting down no we're not quite sitting down yet or or emma just like lifting up her skirt to warm her bum on a fire or something just these things to kind of i think throw a spanner in the works of maybe people like myself our expectations of what this film's going to be and what i'm in for um is fantastic and just like shots like bill Nye boarded up Next to the fire. Like, it's just a genuinely funny film. It is. And I must say, I think the cast are so good. And this is a film, as you say, none of these people really have jobs or anything. So, there's not really a lot of action or meat in that sense. So, this really, to me, is a film, like you say, the smaller vignettes. It's a film of side characters, I think. And a lot of the side characters are done so well. Bill Nye is cast so well in this film. Sensational. Even though- because Bill Nye is is a big name, you know, and he pops up and, you know, half the audience is going, oh, there's Bill Nye," And the other half is going, oh, what do I know that guy from? But he's so well cast in this film that about 10 minutes into it, he is just Mr. Woodhouse. And he's he feels comforting and he's so good in this movie. How long did you get into the film before you gave up on, um, where's Dee? <laughs> yeah. Where's her best friend? <laughs> Uh, yeah. And that, that I think is where I noticed big differences between this and Clueless on on what, of course, this is based. Um, it's, it's weird. I want to say the additions in this, but really Clueless kind of extrapolates a lot out. And usually with adaptations, what happens is characters get combined into one. But it's very strange that in Clueless being an adaptation, what they've done is the opposite of that. They've taken several characters and they've kind of split them up. So, in Clueless, right, Dee and Ty are actually kind of both Harriet Smith. <laughs> they've, they've split her into those two characters for Clueless. Don't you reckon? Well, yeah, quite possibly. I wonder how many people who are listening who have read Emma are like, <laughs> you guys are fucking dumb. Because <laughs> so- in this movie, in Emma, she spends a lot of time with Harriet Smith, and she's not just the girl she's trying to hook up with everybody. She's also her best friend. She is D. So, they've kind of- they've split those two characters up. And it's the same all throughout the film. There's a bunch of characters that, you know, you can kind of see the makings of in Clueless. Like, um, Mrs. Weston- no, Miss Bates, played absolutely wonderfully by Miranda Hart. She's actually my MVP of Emma. Brilliant. She's so clearly the teacher in Clueless, you know? Like, there's all those little things that you just kind of see. But she's kind of an amalgam as well, because she's Amber from Clueless. <laughs> yeah. Whenever she's in a social setting, there's this pest here. <laughs> yeah. But we never feel bad for Amber in Clueless, whereas uh, we do heart feel bad breaks. for Ms Bates. Who would have thought that you could feel so bad and your heart could break about something that seems so minuscule? This is one of the best things about- the story, I think, is that, like, as you mentioned, the stakes of this, you know, there aren't massive stakes. Yeah. In this. Well, they, I mean, they kind of are. There's someone who, like, she convinced someone to knock back a marriage. It's well, yeah. It's a fairly large life event. Yeah. Um, but generally in a story, like, when you get to the big, the down point, the big gloom, as some people call it. Um, I don't know if any of those people are still alive, but I've definitely <laughs> heard it before. Um it's it's because of events or other characters or whatever that have conspired against the protagonist. Here, the big gloom of the story is completely of her own doing. Yes, and when Mister Knightley calls her out on it and gives her an absolute dressing yep. down, as much as like we feel we're feeling for our our protagonist here, but we're also like, yeah, you d- you done messed up. And that's when you know a good movie and a a good story in general, I think, is when you are, you do, you never stop feeling for Emma as the protagonist, but she's not a perfect person. And she made a massive, massive mistake there that was genuinely hurtful to someone she does actually care about. And that, like you say, it's interesting that that is the darkest point in the whole film. And it really, it seems so small at the time, but it, it cuts like a knife when she says it. And even you as an audience member are like, oh, Jesus. Like, it it's funny. You get the same feeling you get in some films when you see someone shoot someone. Like, it's yeah, so like well done. the partner got killed or something. Yeah. It's so well put together, that whole moment. It's up there with, like, someone failing their driving test. Yeah. <laughs> And <laughs> being a virgin who can't drive yeah. <laughs> it is it's like it's like it's like getting on the freeway and not knowing why you're on the freeway or how to get off and having people scream at you to get off the freeway <laughs> uh, yeah, no it it on I have to say it never stopped for me. just moments like, you know, there's that great moment where Emma is painting her friend. She's painting her for Elton. I can remember Elton because he has the same name. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Clueless. Thank you for just calling him Elton. But um, yeah, that moment went and instantly my head went straight to, but you have a picture in your locker. I have the picture you took in my locker. Like moments like that never stopped for me. You know what? Let, let's do this. Just give me a minute here. Clueless is a 1995 American coming-of-age teen <laughs> comedy film written and directed by Amy Heckerling. It stars Alicia Silverstone, Stacey Dash, Paul Rudd, Dan Hedoya, and Brittany Murphy. And what's it about, Tove? Um, it's a coming-of-age high school comedy based on- uh, it's an adaptation of Jane Austen's <laughs> Emma. Yes. Now, I don't want to get off track here. This and is an is, Emma episode. It is maybe- it's arguably the greatest high school comedy of my youth. It's arguably the greatest adaptation full stop of my youth. It's a film that continuously has just opened up over the years for me because I first came to the film as I desperately want to watch this movie with Alicia Silverstone in it. Oh, God, I I loved Alicia Silverstone so much. We were all obsessed. Yeah. And then over the years, it became you moved on from being just a dirty little perv. To, <laughs> hey, this movie film's actually really entertaining. To, this is actually one of the smartest comedies I have ever seen. Yes. And like I watched it, you mentioned I watched it a week or two ago. There are still things in the script that there was, there was definitely a moment in that last watch I had of it where I was like, ah, I actually, I haven't picked up on, on that line properly before. It is such a smart script. And also, like, people who are roughly our age, like, okay, yes, we all know who Alicia Silverstone is, but there's just no way known she had the career that she should have had. And I think this happens a lot. We do it to, we do it to women, we don't do it to men, that when they're playing dumb, we don't give them credit for how good the performance is. That's true. I think there's a kind of, uh, she, you know, she's probably like that. I think it's been massively underappreciated just how good Silverstone is in Clueless. She's a comic genius in that movie. Her comic timing in that film is so good because it's actually hard to do, I think, for a lot of people. Like- yeah, I remember um, hearing Tina Fey talking about Mean Girls and the casting of the character that Amanda Seyfried. puts. Oh, she is wonderful in that film. And Tina Fey was saying that invariably- the person you get to play the total ditz is actually the smartest person. Yeah. So, yay, Amanda. Apparently, you're smart. (laughs) Clueless, though, I, I feel like there must be an entire generation out there for who rolling with the homies will forever bring back a special memory. If you hear that song in any setting, your brain goes back to 95 instantly. Absolutely, it does. And you can- And, like, the hand movements are there. Yep. Yep, <laughs> and like there's a generation of us who thought that everywhere in LA takes 20 minutes. <laughs> yes, I know. Fucking bullshit. It's so it does. fucking untrue. I, I was driving in LA last year. 20 minutes gets you fucking 200 meters. Yeah, you lied to me, clueless. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's get back to Emma for just a minute, though, because really the reason Clueless is such a good adaptation, and I think I, I realise this now, is that its source material is actually really fucking good, as we were just saying. Like, it's it's very well written and it's very quiet and it is very, very, very funny. Can you maybe, let's just unpack this little thing a bit, which is like a quibble of the story for me. Okay. Um, Miss Fairfax. Yes, her, her kind of nemesis. As we will later find out, yeah, who's like the, the nice version of Emma. Yeah, who she hates because Miss <laughs> Fairfax is better than her. Yeah. Um we find out is secretly engaged to the object of Emma's affections. Yes. Um is she? What's going on there? Yeah, I did find that a bit it did throw me aback when it happened, but now looking back, I do actually think there were clues peppered through. Like, I do remember, um, you know, she brings up Mrs. Fairfax to, again, names, not good with them, to the dude she digs. <laughs> um, Christ- n- not not Christian. No, yeah, not, not Christian, but Old-timey old, Christian. Old-timey Christian, o- old-timey yeah. Christian. Christian. yeah. yeah. <laughs> she, she brings up Mrs. Fairfax to him. And he does a bit of like, oh, I don't know much about her. I just know that she's poor. Um, and I do think if you watch back that scene, and, and there are a few later on as well, I do actually feel like there are clues peppered through that we might have just missed at the time. Yeah, but he's like, like he's actively like dissing her hair and all this stuff. And rather than just being like, oh, yeah, don't know much about her, move on. He like actually bonds with Emma. Over hating on this girl. Are you telling me you've never done that? Where where you're trying to pretend that you don't dig someone? I think that this person should be a bit beyond- Like, they're old enough that they should be beyond kicking them in the shins and running away. But I think- As a no, sign of but, their affection. But I think that's the thing. You've got to remember these people, for starters, they don't have jobs. For a lot of these people, they are still very much in that childish mindset of their lives. Don't you think? I think it's a bit too childish. I think that there is a reason that this film and this story translated so well to high school with Clueless. And I think that is that the story itself is very um, sophomoric. It's very childish and and teenage in a lot of ways. This is a nitpick for me. I don't buy that dynamic at all. I I, I disagree, mate. I disagree. Well, that's fine. I'm saying I don't buy it. <laughs> We I don't think we've actually really given Anna Taylor Joy her, her due credit yet. Speaking of, you know, Alicia Silverstone not getting her credit. I think she's really, really good in this movie. Yeah, and we've we've known for a while that Anya Taylor Joy is wicked talented. Yes. Um Split, one of my top movies of 2017 from memory. And indeed, The Witch. Yes. God, I love The Witch. Um, yeah, she is she's fantastic. Because, and, like, she's playing, like, of course, we're, we're in a period piece. There's a certain restraint to how a lot of people act around each other. So she, like, you can't dial it up to 10 to get across what your character's feeling. So there's, I think there's, like, genuinely just really good nuance to what she's doing and how she conveys how she's feeling about different people and feeling about certain scenarios. She's like it, I mean, it happens a lot that the person who, you know, the film is on them tends not to be the showiest performance, and she's not the showiest performance, and she's not necessarily stealing scenes because it's all on her. Yes. Um, But, Jesus, she's, she's good. She is fantastic, but you're right, she's not stealing scenes, because I wonder if you feel the same way, because for me, almost every scene was stolen by Johnny Flynn as Knightley. I, I adored him. To me, it's like people talk about Colin Firth as Mr. Darcy. To me, Johnny Flynn in this film, that's my period piece fantasy. (laughs) Like, when I dream that I'm a woman in the 1800s being swept off my feet, it's by Johnny Flynn. (laughs) Like, he was a dreamboat. (laughs) That's it, he, but he like he's not like unreasonably handsome. No, no, but there's just something about him that is really dreamy. Yes, yes, absolutely. You believe that because that's the thing. He's not supposed to be super handsome because he's meant he's not meant to be the main uh romance for the majority he's of the film. He's not Christian. No, he's not Christian. He's not Elton. He's he's meant to just be kind of like this like the boy next door, effectively, like literally, with sweet chops. Yes, with mad fucking sideboards that just <laughs> make your just make your pants wet. Wow, <laughs> and like I'm like, oh my god, he was incredible. Not only was he just dreamy, like he does have to carry, I think, a lot more of the emotional weight in the film. Because he is the one who is pining for Emma and is aware of it. Because for the majority, until uh, right at the end when she goes, oh, my God, I love Josh. (laughs) 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 Until until that moment, she doesn't know. So, yeah, I think a lot of it really does rest on his shoulders. And I think he carried it off exceptionally well. Do you think back in the day? having the superior mutton chops was just a a mad alpha move. I mean- Like, you just walked into a room and the way you deferred to people was not necessarily by financial standing. (laughs) It was by the strength of your chops. Well, I don't know if you know this about me, but I rocked some chops for a very long time. Like, now I do the full beard. Right up until maybe, oh, God, early 20s, I reckon, I had a goatee with just as long chops as I possibly could. (laughs) <laughs> um and that was a choice. I could have gone full beard, but I, I really liked just having mad long sideburns. So <laughs> Yes, well he's definitely alpha chops in the film. Um right up there with the alpha move of Fairfax sliding in behind the piano. Yeah. <laughs> after Emma's been there and being dropping the mic on her. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking great. That was fantastic. It would be it would be like you showing off your student film and then Roger Deakins pops up and he's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I guess I can show this. <laughs> I won awards for that student film, thank you. Okay, sorry, I won award. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> and you, you had to thank the people at McDonald's for taking so long to make those tiny little egg McMuffins. Without which, <laughs> I may never be tardy. I miss Breckenmeyer. did you have to, speaking of like old-timey Breckenmeyer, didn't you have to dress well to be a farmer in the day? Yeah, I did think that actually. I did think that Holy was a bit crap. Yeah. The other thing it wow. highlights is just how quickly people proposed back then. Because I don't actually think it's ever really made clear in the film that him and uh, Miss Smith ever actually really talk, apart from the one time she says hi to him as they're walking past. And then the next thing you know, she gets a letter proposing to her. They do say earlier on that, like, she does hang out with them. Oh, she does? She does hang out yeah. with the stoner kids. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We know, yeah, they're, presumably they were farming cannabis. <laughs> yeah. And that's where Brecken and Meyer's character comes from. I really- I wish that Breck and Meyer's career had kept going because he had a really good string in the 90s where he did some really yeah. good stuff. There just, like, wasn't room for all of them. Like, not all of him and Seth Green and Jamie Kennedy. Like, weren't all going to get through, I suppose. Yeah, I know. But I guess I, I kind of wish that we had kept him and lost some of the- like- Seth Green, I, I enjoy, but I mean- Oh, we all, we, all, we all- yes, we definitely want Seth. Yeah, we all want Seth Green. We all want him to have the best, mainly because he's Oz from Buffy, and we just- Exactly. We can't have anything less than the best for Oz, because he just- he, he stole our hearts. Is Buffy based on Jane Austen? It could be. Definite parallels with Clueless with Buffy. Oh, defi- Oh, for sure. I would say probably, though, more, more parallels with Clueless than with Emma. Well, neither of us have read it. But it's a stepping stone, I guess. Well, that's true. We don't know how many vampires got cut out of the adaptation. <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this adaptation was really, really bad and we just don't know it because we haven't read the book. <laughs> Can we talk about the cinematography and production design? I think this is the best looking period piece, maybe outside of the favourite um, that I've ever seen. I think the sets are stunning. Yeah, a lot of those interiors are awesome and make you just sit there going, holy crap, just how much are these people worth? Yeah, but what's really- It's mind boggling. But what's really nice about it is that they- it's designed in such a way that the establishments, you know, these big houses, they all look really cozy at the same time. Like, while they are gigantic and they're filled with stuff, they feel homely, which is unlike a lot of other period pieces where you look at these giant, vast- you know, places and you're like, yeah, well, that's nice, but just think of the cleaning. Whereas here, you could actually see yourself like Bill Nye just sitting down there by the fire and feeling cozy, but being boarded up because the reality is that they're drafting in fucking cold. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> but like, I just think the design and cinematography go so well hand in hand together that the shots of the countryside are gorgeous. The beautiful, big, wide shots, for example, when Emma and the rest of them are exploring um, Knightley's estate. And there are these big wide shots that are very symmetrical. They're very, um, they're very Kubrick esque in their framing. This kind of perfect symmetry, and it's it's really nice. A lot of the I really like a lot of the interior lighting when, particularly when we're out of daylight hours and it's lit as if it's lit by candles. Um, and most of the characters tend to be lit from behind with this really kind of molded lighting with. Very little fill light from the camera side, and it's not—it's not what you do if you just want to make your actors look incredibly pretty and handsome. But I think it looks fucking shit hot. Yeah, and I'd rather look at awesome lighting than I would attractive people because I've got the internet for that. <laughs> I, d- I don't really want to know what you're looking up on the internet, buddy. <laughs> Mutton chops. <laughs> yeah. I'll just send you some pictures of me in high school, mate. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um, I do have one little niggle with the film. All right. We all know that Emma, typically adaptations, use classic songs like Rolling with the Homies, uh, I'm Just a Girl, you know, lots of No Doubt, lots of, you know, We're the Kids in America, really great songs. Mm -hmm. While I enjoyed the pieces of score in Emma, I did not like the songs- and they're all—they're very choral, it's lots of people singing, and I think a part of my brain, every time one starts, because they're used a lot with, this is a term I may need to explain, but you'll know what I mean when I say L cuts and J cuts, which means that the music will start, you know, maybe five, ten seconds before the transition of a scene, and the music is used to kind of herald in the next scene. Whenever that happens with a song, a part of your brain goes, okay, who is singing in the next scene and why? That doesn't actually happen in this film. People aren't singing. It's literally just soundtrack. And a part of my brain is kind of a little bit boggled by that. And I didn't really like the choice. How did you feel about the score and the songs? Don't remember it for shit. Okay. You don't remember a lot of choral singing? No. Lots of oldie folk songs. And and I like the songs. I just didn't particularly like their use in the film. No. Okay. (laughs) Well- Good chat. <laughs> Can I just say how great Paul Rudd is? <laughs> like, for I, mean, it. I mean, I know he wasn't in Emma, which is a shame. I would have liked if he was. Um, firstly, he is timeless. Can you believe that Clueless was 25 years old this year? That is staggering. And he still looks like a fucking dreamboat. <laughs> um. But he is just so charming. He's just, like, absolutely adorable. Um, Everything about Clueless is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like going toe-to-toe with Pulp Fiction as, like, most quotable film of the 90s. I have been thinking about shaving my head, Chris Turkleton style. It's the (laughs) bomb. It is the (laughs) bomb. I am calling your mother. (laughs) I've been thinking about shaving it because, like, we can't go to the hairdresser at the – like – I'm, I'm getting there. At some point, this is just going to go. Well, for some stupid reason here, we can still go to the hairdressers. And even the whole- Yeah, but I'm not going to. No, because you're smart. But even the whole half hour limit got lifted for some reason. So now, yeah, you're allowed to just go to the hairdresser for as long as you want. I, like, I don't know why you would. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking about it for the same reason, mainly to make me stop touching my face. Because my hair is a little longer than yours. And I do often have to like brush it off my forehead- I've been mm. thinking if I shave my head, I won't touch my face as much. Nah, because then you'll just play with your beard. It is fun to play with a beard. It's what they're for. I mean, you do it more than just about anybody I know. Like, I know plenty of bearded people. I don't know anyone who plays with their beard as much as you do. Yeah, it's just the safety blanket that comes with me everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'm done. How, how are you scoring both of these tremendous films? Clueless is... <laughs> it's a 9 out of 10. Yep. Um, Emma... Um, Thoroughly enjoyable for me. I'm a 7 out of 10. Right. Yeah, I'm an, I'm an 8 with Emma. I think I really, really enjoyed it. And I do question, though, as I said at the start, whether I would still rate it as highly had I not seen Clueless. I think I would have found it a little bit harder to follow just because I'm a little bit of a numpty with period pieces. But I think it is such a great story. It's really funny, really well acted and put together. I'm an 8. Uh, Clueless, I'm a 10 because you just- as you said, it's it's the peak of adaptations for me. It's the peak of 90s teen comedies of which I love. You know, it's funny. I rewatched 10 Things I Hate About You recently. Another, yep. which clearly inspired by Clueless, you know, taking a classic piece of literature and adapting it for, you know, a high school setting. Not as good as Clueless by any stretch, but pretty good. <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> David Krumholtz still holding up in ten things. Yeah, he's another one, much like Brecken Meyer. I wish his career had furthered because I really, really like David Crumholtz That's <laughs> because Oscar Isaac came along; it was just like the better looking David Crumholtz That is so true. That is really, really true. <laughs> All right, what are we going to do next week, buddy? Um, well, there's nothing coming yeah, out of the movies. We once again so. haven't decided, but <laughs> we'll, f- we'll figure something. Well, we do. We have. You may or may not remember that. When we did our Oscars predictions, I put it out there for listeners to give us their tips and we would reward our winner with giving us a movie to watch. Um, our friend Anna, who won, has gotten back to us. She's given us four choices. So, how about I give them to you now and you can pick one that we'll do next week. Okay. All right. Here's, here's her short list that she's given us. So, Children of Men, Almost Famous, La Dolce Vita, or City of God. I was hoping. I was like, I think part of me was hoping there'd just be three duds, yeah, no, and one good one to make this easy. All great films. Have you ever seen La Dolce Vita? I haven't, but it's. I know. I see. I don't think we should do that because that's on your list of stuff that you're going to make me watch at some point. So she will still get that at some point. Yeah. She, oh, As sorry. She did also message after saying she forgot to also say Paris, Texas. Paris, Texas, one of Roger Deakins' favorite films. Really? Yeah. Fun fact. Well, there you go i'm I'm honestly I'm happy for you to decide. I've actually I've never seen children of men, which I know I'm supposed to oh really? yeah, but I, big almost famous fan I think we've both probably seen that. almost famous is fantastic and the City um, okay. of God also fantastic of course. City of God, very good film. um I'm interested now in in children of men given you haven't seen it. yeah let's do it. Anna, we'll be doing children of men next week just for you. Alrighty, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchthething.com or wewatchthething at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at thing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at Patreon.com forward slash thing, and we'll catch you next week. Well, go. No, don't don't go watch a movie. <laughs> Stay in and watch a movie. Stay in and watch Clueless. Or Emma. Do it. Or Emma. Emma. <laughs> but mainly Clueless. But pay for Emma if you can. Yes. Or pay for Clueless as well. Amy Heckling, give her some dosh.